Welcome to the Rebel Educator Podcast, where we work to amplify the voices and ideas of changemakers in education. We talk with students, educators, and thought leaders who are questioning the status quo and resisting tradition in education. So welcome Rebel Educators to this episode of the Rebel Educator Podcast. Welcome Rebel Educators. I'm here today with Jackie Evanez. She is a teacher turned entrepreneur who is using her years of experience in elementary and secondary education to create a peer network for students to direct and manage their own projects. She has seen how transformative learning can be when students take the reins. So her mission is to support teachers and the work they are doing to foster self-directed learners in their classrooms. She has founded Spindle to get this effort underway. Welcome, Jackie. Thank you for having me. So I guess the first question is, why why is self-directed learning so important? Well, this goes way back to when I was a learner in the classroom. Yeah, I probably started around grade one. Um, I think I've always had more of an entrepreneurial spirit. So needless to say, I didn't really fit within the whole education system growing up. I struggled with school. I don't know if I was that interested in what we were learning. I felt like I was tasked with some rote regurgitation jobs. And I think I became a B student at best. And I think it was just because I was mostly bored. It weighed on my confidence, though. And I think just my ability to put myself out there and try. There became fear around school. It was it was a whole wormhole right up until high school. And I saw that when I became a teacher in my in some of my students as well. And all this labeling with grades and and certain set curriculum, but students never really seeing themselves in their own learning. So I think that little student in me fueled my career as a teacher. And then it fueled also Spindle as a tech platform in really trying to help other students figure out how to learn best for themselves and find their power and their confidence in that. Because it's only today as an entrepreneur that I can really say that I'm truly now confident as a learner and I feel powerful as a learner. And I love learning because I can see myself in everything that I do. I'd actually love to hear more about that because you mentioned, you know, you had years of experience teaching in the classroom, but didn't feel confident as a learner. So, you know, what was it that really made you take that leap into entrepreneurship and leave the classroom? Can you share that piece of the journey? So as a teacher, my goal was to kind of change the narrative for my students. I taught grade one, grade six, grade eight, nine, 10, and 12 (laughs) in seven years. And I really wanted my students to find their value. That was kind of my only goal. And then I could let curriculum and everything else fall around that goal was helping them find their own value. And in order to do that, you do have to create a student-centered, personalized, PBL, inquiry-based, all these buzzwords, classroom. But basically, you know, get to know your students, see what they like, find something that's really relevant to them and challenge them with that and see if you can find some, you know, curriculum and and skills within the curriculum that align with that goal. But I did a lot of PBL and inquiry-based learning in my classroom. We did big projects. They had a big financial literacy unit. We did TED Talks. 
inquiry-based units on for science or for social studies. I came from a pretty traditional school background here in Vancouver, BC. And so, you know, these were as big as our projects got. But in one of them, they did an entrepreneur project. They had to innovate a product or service and then sell it and donate the proceeds to a cause in the community that they cared about. We covered all the core content that we needed to, but my kids were doing some pretty phenomenal things with that amount of freedom. Some projects I couldn't even fathom or come up with. It's amazing how creative and how much like pressure and how much they challenge themselves if you just give them the opportunity to do so. And just seeing all of this was fantastic. It was very rewarding for me and also for them and for their parents. And then you see yourself as no longer a teacher, but like a co-learner and you're learning from your students and that's extremely powerful. But in order to help my students along and to guide their process, I had to see their learning process at every step of the way. Um, in these extremely individualized projects, which is tricky. I had like 25 students in every classroom that I had. And some in high school, you have like 90 students. Almost impossible to actually see uh, their work in progress and see where they're at um, in that moment. And, and often kids, they do hide their work in progress. They want to only show you their polished final products. And I wanted to change that in my classroom. I wanted to really encourage the learning process and to focus on that and let that be valued even more so than the final product and say, you know, let's look at this. Let's value how you iterate, how you revise, how you improve on that work and less so on the work itself, but on your ability to learn from that work um, and reflect on it. All of these things, like they sound so good in theory, but you have 25 students and you don't have a lot of time and you're often not kept in the loop by your students. And so I just couldn't keep up and I burnt out. I left the system kind of hitting my head against the wall going, okay, I love teaching, love learning. We did some pretty awesome things in the class, but here I am burnt out and why? And so it took a few months of just kind of sitting in that and figuring out maybe there's a way to solve this. But I, I didn't know which direction to go. And because I'm a, I'm a learner, I'm like, well, maybe I'll just go get my MBA, which was my next thought. But my father, who is an entrepreneur, I would say serial entrepreneur, he's had like three businesses. He says, well, no, why don't you've been talking about this problem in the classroom for six, seven years? Like, why don't you just go solve it? Like start a company, which freaked me out. But it did give me the confidence to say, hey, I, yeah, I can do that. Why not? <laughs> And so that kind of fueled my next step was I'm going to help other teachers be able to help their students value this process, help mentor it. And that's why I'm here today. I think your story will definitely resonate with a lot of people. I think there's a lot of teachers right now saying, I've been running on all cylinders and it's too much and I have too many students and I'm burnt out. That's definitely something we're hearing a lot. It feels similar to like a family doctor, where family doctors are only given, you know, 15 minutes per patient. Well, here in Canada, they are 15 minutes per patient. And they say, you can, you can only talk about one issue. And then I have to go on to the next one. And they feel like they can't give the level of care that they should be or need to. And that's kind of how it felt as a teacher. It's just, I couldn't give that level of care that I felt like I needed to. And that was pretty soul crushing. 
So Spindle is designed to be like a program management platform for student projects. So how does that work? How does it help support the educator to support student self-directed learning? So me and another teacher, Christina Chechos, which was, she's also the founder of Spindle. We talked about, okay, this was just a fun passion project for the two of us. And, And most of it was, let's just talk about how we can solve the problem from the student angle. And if we can solve the problem from the student angle and then in turn, you know, support that teacher problem, because at the end of the day, it's all about learning, right? And so we can't just create a platform that serves only our teachers and say, hey, we documented student work for you. Here you go. But then the students aren't actually getting anything from it. So we built, okay, what is a student-centered platform look like? Because right now, all we have access to on our Google Classrooms or digital portfolios is a place for teachers to assign something and then for a student to turn in final work. Everything was final, right? And even if you did give feedback on those platforms, that feedback was final. (laughs) And so we said, okay, there's nothing student-centered about this. This is very teacher-centered. It's really about teacher management, managing student work. What about students? how can they be at the center of their platform? And so Spindle was designed so that students shared their work in progress, not just with the teacher, but with their whole class. So now their learning process is public. Every step of their project is public for the purpose of getting the feedback they need when they need it and encouraging those feedback and those iteration, those loops that they need to have in order to improve and basically do better than their first draft. And what we created strongly reflected what we actually learned throughout entrepreneurship. We went to two different business accelerators, quickly learned the ins and outs of running a business, of starting something from scratch. And you know, the whole system of being able to run a successful business is how fast can you iterate how fast can you figure out what your needs are, what your challenges are, and and solve those problems um, and really reflect and analyze like at every single step. And so that's the mentor system we wanted to create for the students as well in the classroom. And by doing that, by giving us these students what we call like a sandbox for learning, a place to try, test, and iterate on their ideas, uh, we're also giving teachers 10 times more documentation of that learning process and we're putting it all in one place. So for teachers, you don't have to dig through digital folders. It's all there in one spot and it's visual for you. And you can just scroll through it and you know meet students exactly where they're at. And it's not just documentation for the sake of documentation. It's really a byproduct of a student's learning process, which is what was very important to us. Um, and so that's how it works. You've taken the adage of the math teacher saying, show your work to a whole nother level. (laughs) (laughs) It's like exit slips upon exit slips. (laughs) It's one of the, you know, it's one of the four C's that we keep talking about in education is collaboration. And this whole, it sounds like the whole platform is designed to create collaborative opportunities among students in every stage of their development of their project and of their work which I feel like in the professional workplace, 
that that's one of the things that stands in the way of collaboration is that we have our idea of how our project should work and we run on it and we're doing it and we're doing our thing. And sometimes we forget to stop and check in with others who could support in different areas or add different perspective or bring in ideas because we're not sharing all that information as we go along. And so we kind of shut those collaboration doors at different steps. Yeah. And so it sounds like this is really helping students to be open to that kind of feedback and really asking for that that help and that sharing. Yeah. It gives them an avenue to do it and a safe space to do it because that is what is the expectation on the platform. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, you know, here's a nice thing we can do on the side. You know, here's your collaboration feed on the side of your platform. No, it is literally the platform is the collaboration and those feedback loops. And honestly, when I left education as a student and I got my first job, an advertising agency, it was the biggest mistake I made was not checking in and asking questions and and getting feedback on my work before it was done. Because I did hand in my final work to my boss and he's like, what's this? Didn't you check in with your colleagues? Didn't, Didn't you ask questions? And the best employees and the best workers and the best entrepreneurs, they ask questions right? They're constantly learning and growing and they're curious. And so we have to be teaching our kids that skill at a young age because they're just missing out on so much growth opportunity. And then also you're eliminating the fear around this, like, hey, you get one chance. It's either good or it's bad. And so just, yeah, taking away that that fear and anxiety that I had as a little kid and just creating a safe space and saying, hey, no one's work is ever going to be good enough. It's really about how you can improve and how you can learn and how you can build on that work because that's what you're in school to do ultimately. Yeah. And so much of our educational process is designed around not asking questions. Yeah. And you've created a platform where you have to ask questions. (laughs) Yes. When students share their work, they do it through the lens of what are you looking for? And so- before they even share their, you know, Google Slides or their video or their doc, whatever they're sharing, they say, I'm looking for feedback or I have a question or I'm sharing resources. Whatever it is, there's some sort of lens in which they're sharing. They're not just documenting to document. Mm-hmm. They have a goal. And so it's kind of trying to fuel that iterative growth mindset in the student too. Yeah, I love that. I'd love to hear a little bit more. You mentioned projects that your students worked on when you were teaching and how hard it was to keep up with all of them. We're in the process of launching a middle school. And so we've had a lot of this conversation around what do we want in school? What do we want it to look like? What do we want our students to be doing? And you brought up entrepreneurship and project-based learning and real-world experiences and service projects all in one thing that you did. So I'd just love to hear an example of one of those projects, if you remember something that one of the students did that was authentic and in the world, and you said they were donating proceeds to charity. Yeah. Okay, so that was our big entrepreneur one, and I think we took about three months to do it. And it did incorporate everything because students had to create a product, which is you know kind of your STEM or your STEAM. Design thinking is what we call it here in BC. But they have to create their own product based on a problem that they see in their own world that matters to them. So they had to do some, you know, customer discovery around that. Mm-hmm. And then they went to go out and, and 
basically create a business model around that product. How are you going to sell it? Which was your math. And then once they do that, we as a class did kind of a side project on, you know, pick a service in our community that you really care about. That's something that that matters to you. We donated to one of the shelters in downtown Vancouver, which we donated to because that's the one that the class picked. But each student had to actually do research on all of them and then pick one that mattered to them and then do a persuasive speech. So there's your ELA on why we should be picking this place. Then we all picked one. Then students, we were going to have a fair to sell our products and we were going to invite people from the community. So we had to market. Um, So we added in some marketing jobs, which is, you know, a mix of English language arts and I mean, it could go on and on. (laughs) Data analytics, uh, we didn't go that far, but they did some marketing and then we invited the community and then, you know, back to math, they actually had to run a store (laughs) um, and sell their products. And then, yeah, and that was it. And then all the proceeds went to the Covenant House. I'm trying to think of some of their products. I don't think the products, this was grade six. I don't think the products were as, you know, memorable (laughs) as they could have been there's a lot of moments where I wanted to go back and go oh we only spent two more months (laughs) (laughs) this way what really impressed me with my grades is was their TED talks because they weren't kind of limited to the skill of actually creating and a product like I didn't create spindle my developers did right that's a whole other skill so in fairness that was a big challenge But the TED Talks were amazing because they were on topics they really, really cared about. And we spent a lot of time on that as well. And there was no barrier to what they could do. Mia, she was a bit of a stressed kid. And she says, I'm going to talk about doodling because I doodle all day in class. And I do that to help me deal with stress. And so she wrote a whole talk about that while she was doodling. It was amazing for the talk. It was really wonderful. And then I had a boy, Matt, and he was a bit of a tech wizard, and he designed an app that turned off his phone in a social situation. He was really tired of his family always having their phones on during dinner or when they were out together. And so this was something he was very passionate about. And mm-hmm. he like went on and he talked to different professionals in the space, and it was a whole thing. So just these crazy cool ideas that you can't think up of for them. This is really has to come from them that are super creative and amazing. And I did the same thing in grade one, because why not? You mentioned that the role of the educator is to help students find their value. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's using Spindle or working through projects or as an educator, you know, what would be your maybe one piece of advice or one thing to start doing or even one thing to stop doing? for our audience to really help students find their value? That's a good question. And I think it's like a one word answer and it's to listen. I think as educators, we're even trained throughout school to talk, 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 do, do, do. But what about if we just stopped and we listened? Because in those moments, you can really see what your students are capable of and what their strengths are, what their skills are, but also what they struggle with. 
And then you can have a much clearer idea of what they need in the classroom. And so if you really listen, there are projects there. There's curriculum there just like waiting for you. They're giving it to you. And it doesn't have to be crazy creative, the project. It could be so simple. And it lends itself to so many avenues. But if you just listen, then then there's so much space for them to grow. Pretty vague answer, but... No, but great. I feel like I asked a really big question. You gave a really simple answer, but it was exactly what's needed. We often don't listen. It makes me think of a project that actually my daughter did with her teacher when she was in the first grade. And I share this story in my new book, Rebel Educator, but it's about Coach O'Neill's. And their teacher had been given a gift of a scarf and the scarf had been dyed with Coach O'Neill's. And the kids started asking questions about the dye and about the bugs and about how it works. And so they ended up getting cochineal powder and making the dye and dyeing strings and then making shrinky-dink cochineals that they each colored their own way and shrunk them. And so they made these necklaces that turned into this whole market day project then for their school as well. And the whole school got to do it. You know, it wasn't part of the curriculum. It certainly wasn't written into this is what we do in first grade. But it was all from the teacher listening and hearing how curious they were about this new scarf she had gotten. And so it really can launch so many ideas and different things in the classroom. Right. And there's always a way to bring it back to curriculum. There always is. We're always learning, like all the time, right? Exactly. Um, And so it's how do you frame that and how do you bring it in? And then how do you hit the things that we need students to learn when we combine them with the things that students want to learn about? Mm-hmm. There's a question that I love to ask all of my guests, and it's about elementary school. Since I run an elementary school, I love to hear people's favorite memory from that time. So can you share something that you remember from your elementary school years? Oh, my gosh. First of all, I did love elementary school socially. <laughs> Great times. Um, So I think for me... A grade seven camp was pretty special, but if I have to go back to academics, I love the arts. And so we did a grade four art project of, it was just comics and that was it. That was something I loved to do and something I cared about. So for some reason that sticks out. Great. Yeah. How can listeners get in touch with you? You can email me, uh, Jacqueline at spindle.com. Um, if you want to reach out, you can also hit up our website, which is www.spindle.com. If you want to check out the platform and I'm happy to help on board any teachers if they're interested as well. And that's www.spindle, which is S P I N N D L E.com. If you're looking for the platform and wanting to check it out. Thanks so much for your time today, Jackie. This has been a great conversation. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Rebel Educator podcast. I'd invite you to check out rebeleducator.com, where you can see all of our upcoming workshops, webinars, and professional development opportunities. Upacademysf.com, where you can see our current progressive elementary school in action. And if you've enjoyed this episode, we'd love for you to leave a review and rate our show so that others can find it and love us too. Keep resisting tradition, Rebel Educators.